Are there really waterfowl hunting ammunition secrets? Oh yes there are, and there are quite a few, and I spent two years and a whole bunch of money learning them so that you don't have to. Hey, and welcome to another episode of the New Hunter's Guide, the podcast and YouTube channel, helping new hunters get started and bringing new insights to all hunters. I'm your host, George Kanidis, and I'm a regular hunter who just so happens to have a PhD and a low tolerance for marketing hype, trying to help people figure out what really works. And this episode today, I'm drawing from 30-some tests that I have done, pattern testing, ballistics gel testing, recoil testing, other kinds of testing, in order to get to the bottom of waterfowl hunting ammunition. I have found few quagmires in the hunting world that are as deep and mucky as waterfowl ammo. It ought not be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. And with this information, I think you guys can turn it around and you can find things and learn things and understand things and not fall for things that I did. And uh, this particular content that I'm bringing you guys today, I originally compiled and put together and delivered live at a presentation at the... uh, Uh, USA and International Outdoor Show that came to Pittsburgh, PA. They invited me to speak. So I went and and gave this presentation there and I've since done more testing and and, and sharpened the pencil a little bit more on it. And so I'm going to take that information and uh, we're going to go through it today in a little bit different way because on a podcast you can do some things you can't do in a presentation. And, you know, there are some limitations as well. I can't show you guys slides and data and so on. But everything that we're talking about today you guys can find over the last two years on my YouTube channel. Every test, every ballistics gel piece of data, everything that I've done, all the proof, all the evidence is on the YouTube channel spread over the last couple of years. So we're going to jump into it today, but first I have to give just a little bit of background and context. You see, prior to about 1991, waterfowl hunting in the United States was a simpler pursuit. You just use lead shot. Most people, whether they admit it today or not, most people, statistically speaking, were using um, usually two and three two and three quarter inch loads, maybe three inch loads. They're using number six or seven shot, some number five shot with usually an ounce to an ounce and an eighth payload traveling at around 1100 feet per second. You say, George, how do you know that? What are you basing that information on? Because hundreds of people have asked. Well, I talked to ammunition manufacturing companies, the people who own companies that make ammo. And they said that the most bought, sold, and shot ammunition in America for waterfowl hunting was that. Now, these, this was not ammo that was labeled as duck loads. 
All right, they were just general game loads. Essentially, they are the target loads that you would go to buy today to go shoot sporting clays or trap or whatever, but they had number six shot, maybe some number fives, some number sevens, depending on what they were hunting. And you bought it by the case and you bought it cheap. It was the cheapest ammo you could get, just like how... Uh, you know, trap loads and sporting clay loads are the cheapest bulk ammo you can buy today. And that's why they used it. All right. It was the cheapest ammo on the market. You, know, you could buy a lot of it and you could shoot it. Now there were specialty duck loads. And there were people who developed, you know, high velocity, high potency, all sorts of other things. But there was a very niche market for very serious hunters and reloaders. Um, that was probably 5%, 10% at most of the market. Uh, from what I've gathered, 90%-ish plus of the ammunition bought and sold were essentially what we would use today as target loads, but in number sixes. And nobody cared. People were happy. Those shells worked just fine. They brought down ducks it was cheap, it was a great pursuit, it was a low barrier to entry, it was just fun and easy. All right, then 1991 happened, and the federal nationwide ban on lead shot for waterfowl hunting went into full effect. Now, all of a sudden, everybody has to switch over to non-toxic shot, and you had basically one option. Horrible steel ammo. That was pretty much it. That's all you could use was just utterly terrible steel ammunition. And steel has a much lower density than lead, so its potency is much lower, its range is drastically reduced, its ballistics energy is drastically reduced. And of course, the steel they were using was not very, was not well-rounded steel. It was not buffered steel. It was not plated steel. They did not have good wads for it. They had not figured out how to make effective steel loads. And so people were shooting stuff that felt like it worked about as well as sawdust some of the time. And uh, it was, it was abysmal for a while. Now, Ammunition improved. Companies figured some things out. They, they had all sorts of improvements and advancements, and steel shot eventually became viable. Other alternatives entered the market. Bismuth entered the market. Tungsten entered the market. Tungsten blends entered the market. And now today, you have a very nice waterfowl ammo uh, options that are available to you of, you know, cheap steel, which is still better than everything they had for 10 years, pretty much. The cheapest steel money can buy today is, is still drastically better than anything you could get in the 90s. Then you've got good steel, you've got premium steel, you've got crazy weird steel, you have bismuth and a couple different flavors of bismuth. You've got a couple different flavors of tungsten alloys or tungsten blends or tungsten ground and mixed with polymers. And then you've got TSS shot. And today, our problem is not that we don't have good ammo available. We do have good ammo available. In fact, I've done some testing showing that the ammo we have available today is just as good, sometimes better, than the loads 
not the materials, but the loads that they were using in 1991, albeit it costs a lot more, even relatively speaking. However, my first day that I went to the store to buy waterfowl hunting ammunition, I went to the aisle that had the waterfowl ammo, and there was just all kinds of stuff there. And I couldn't figure out what any of it meant, what it, what was better than what else. I, I was just I was not capable of judging why things cost what they did, what the purpose was, what the different metrics meant, what really had an impact at the end of the day. And uh, I did what any reasonable person would do. I bought the second cheapest ammo on the shelf because I figured, well, I don't want to buy the absolute cheapest because that's going to be the worst. So, you know, let's buy the second cheapest one. And then I went hunting. And I had terrible outcomes. It was horrible. I was so miserable that season. I hit and lost more birds than I took home. There were times me and my hunting buddy, we would unload our guns, six shells, feathers all over the water, ducks flying away, only got one bird between us, um, and that bird we had to shoot twice. All right, just ridiculous, just discouraging. So after the waterfowl season was over, I started to regroup. I was like, all right, I don't know. I don't understand all this waterfowl ammo stuff. I don't get it, but I'm not going through this again. I am going to figure this out. I don't know what it is I'm figuring out, but I'm going to figure it out. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Next year is going to be different. And I saw a friend of mine uh, post a photo online about some new ammo that he was getting. And that friend was Riley Hendrickson of Rilo Game Calls, single-handedly responsible for getting me into the sport and encouraging me to get started. And he posted a photo of some Boss copper-plated bismuth ammo. Now, I didn't know what bismuth was. I knew what Pepto-Bismol was. I knew there was bismuth in that, but I'd never heard of bismuth ammunition. But I thought to myself, hey, if it's good enough for Riley, it's good enough for me to, get, to give it a try. So... I went to their website, I read everything that they had written on the website, every bloody word of it, all right, everything. And then I still had a boatload of questions. So I contacted the company and I asked tons of questions. Eventually they called me and talked to him for like two hours, one of the owners of the company and just all my questions, they finally answered them. Of course, I didn't have a YouTube channel at this point. I didn't have nothing. I was nobody to them. So, but they spent two hours with me. So I then went on their website and I ordered two entire boxes of ammunition. I then decided, you know what? If this is better, I want to find out why it's better. I want, I want to know that it's better. I want to know how much better it is. And I couldn't find any way on planet earth to tell that. So I went and bought some big paper. I got a GoPro. I bought a block of ballistics gel, I went to the range, and I made my first YouTube video that ever got any traction, testing Boss Copper-Plated Bismuth Number 4s against Steel Number 4s, just to see what would happen. And that, was, that first video led me on a massive, just unbelievable journey testing steel bismuth tungsten tungsten blends 
all kind of different ammos to get to where we are today to learn the things that I'm about to start sharing with you right now. All right, are you ready? I'm this is this is the quick version, all right? This is the the easily digestible version. If you want the hard data, just go to the YouTube channel, all right? New Hunter's Guide, you can't miss it. All right, number one secret of waterfowl hunting ammunition, density is king. Okay? Density is the single most important variable. Steel shot has a drastically lower density than lead. So much so that not only does it have drastically less power, even at the muzzle at the same velocity, because it's so light, because its density is so low, it sheds velocity so much faster than lead. Drastically faster. And so steel shot at the muzzle, you know, may have some punch to it, but 30 yards out, 40 yards out, it becomes, depending on the shot size, almost totally impotent at what you're shooting. Or you could use number seven and a half lead loads to shoot at ducks at 40 yards, and they work just great. Seven and a half steel at 40 yards, you... You're, you're not even punching through the feathers sometimes, not let alone in the vitals. You got to size it down big time. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. But it loses velocity. Here's the best example I can give you. If lead shot is a baseball, steel shot is a wiffle ball. All right. No matter how hard you throw that wiffle ball, no matter how fast you're throwing that wiffle ball, it, by the time it gets anywhere, it's doing nothing. It just doesn't have the density to do any damage. All right, so density means everything. So steel shot is the lowest density material that's used. It's basically rubbish um, compared to lead. 
Bismuth is much closer to lead in density. And by stepping up one shot size from lead, you can get basically the same performance that you can from lead at reasonable ranges with bismuth. Tungsten TSS has almost double the density of steel. Uh, actually, I think it is double the density of steel and still drastically more density than lead. Enables you to punch out further, faster, better, everything er. TSS is absolute dominance. Nothing can compare to it. It is 100% the best thing you can shoot. There's just one small downside. The cost is outrageous. So a steel shot, you, the cheapest steel you can buy on the market, to, I mean the absolute cheapest stuff that I could find, period, you're at like 50 cents a shell. Bismuth, you are between a dollar fifty and two dollars a shell. TSS, you're between seven to twelve dollars a shell. All right, the 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 cost is just enormous when you step up the TSS. So density means everything. If you can get steel and bismuth that are the same price, and there are steel loads and bismuth loads that are the same price, the bismuth is going to be better than the steel period. You cannot pay enough money to beat the increased density. So bismuth is always going to be better. All right, I don't care what the marketing on the steel is. Bismuth will beat steel. Now, that said, there's still plenty of times where you want to use steel, and I will talk about that later. But when you step up, the number one thing you want to know if you're looking at ammo, what's it made of? All right, if is it steel, is it bismuth, is it tungsten, or is it a tungsten alloy? There are tungsten alloys that have the same density as lead. There are some that have a little more density than lead. And they cost somewhere in the middle there uh, financially. So it's not super clear cut, but you want to know the density. You must always know the density of what you're shooting. If they say it's something odd it's a, it's a blend it's a mix it's an alloy but they don't tell you the density don't buy it you need to know the density number two secret velocity is hype mostly velocity is hype before 1991 almost nobody printed velocity on the ammunition box it was unheard of nobody cared what the velocity was the velocity was usually right around 1100, 1175, somewhere in that zone. But by and large, nobody printed on the box because nobody wanted to know, because nobody cared, because it didn't matter. What happened with steel ammo is companies trying to differentiate their steel kept jacking up the velocity higher and higher and higher. And then there became a velocity war. People saying, well, our stuff is better than yours because it's faster. So then we got up to high velocity. Then we got up to huge velocity. We got up to hyper velocity to the point where we're sh shooting shotgun shells out of the barrel at 1,700, 1,800 feet per second. Now, you might think, well, but George, more velocity is going to mean more ballistic energy. It's going to mean more performance. That's obvious. You would think that. Now, 
if you were shooting at the muzzle, if the duck was at the muzzle, that would be true. It would also be irrelevant because every shotgun shell at the muzzle has more than enough energy to kill a duck. But ducks are never at point blank range. All right. And what happens is when that shell leaves the gun, the faster it's going, the faster it sheds that velocity. And so I looked at uh, a bunch of ballistics data, hypervelocity ammunition going at 1,750 feet per second loses 400 feet per second within the first 10 yards. All right. Actually, I think it's the first 10 feet. I'd have to I have to go back and check that video and what the data was. But before you ever reach duck range, you have lost 400 feet per second. So now you're down from 1750 to 1350. Once you reach 20 yards, you have shed all of that velocity advantage. Once you reach 40 yards, bismuth that started its journey at 1300 feet per second, 1350 feet per second, somewhere in that ballpark, is going faster than the steel that started at these ridiculous rates. All right. The faster you make the load go, the faster it loses its velocity to the point where um, differences in velocity at the muzzle of two, three, four hundred feet per second equate to usually plus or minus 50 feet per second at the target at 40 yards. So you've got ammo that's 1300 feet per second steel, and then you buy the hyper velocity that's 1700 feet per second steel. Once you reach 50 yards, there's only about a difference of 50 feet per second because the speed just is scrubbed off so fast and the lower the density, the material, the faster it loses that speed. So you're spending all this money to sling this steel at maximum velocity. And then it does nothing by the time it reaches the target. Nothing special anyway. You got all this extra recoil. You're shooting less shot because you got to put more powder in to get that velocity up. You also typically have worse patterns because the higher you throw in that shot out the barrel, the more it blows out the pattern. So you're spending bismuth and above bismuth prices to get steel that gives you inferior patterns and inferior ballistic performance. All right, velocity is hype. I did testing with bismuth loads. You might think, well, 1,450 feet per second loads ought to give you better ballistic shell penetration at 40 yards than 1,350 feet per second. Well, that can be true, and I found it to be true about 2 to 8%. So an extra 100 feet per second at the muzzle gives you 2 to 8% more penetration on the target. Now, that's if all things are equal but not all things are always equal. And so all those loads that I tested that were higher velocity, I tested against equivalent loads of um, Boss 1,350 feet per second. But then Boss released their new Warchief loads that are a buffered copper-plated shot, and that performs better than the higher velocity loads three out of four times. 
So you can make up the difference with higher quality loads and you have less recoil. So velocity is mostly a vanity metric. Number three, people assume, or excuse me, number three, more density equals more pattern. You can get a better pattern with higher density materials because you can throw those materials at lower speeds. Lower speeds result in higher, better patterns. So bismuth at 1,350 feet per second is going to pattern better than steel at 1,700 feet per second. It's also going to have more power at the target. And so people think, well, you know, if we increase the velocity of the steel by 40%, then we erode the 40% um, ballistic energy uh, advantage that bismuth has. Well, no, you don't, because the steel loses the speed so fast, and then you lose your pattern, and then you have poor patterns and poor performance. And then, you know, if you go up higher in density, you go to TSS, you can throw that stuff even slower to get even better, more uniform patterns um, because you've got density working for you. Number four secret. I got to pick this pace up a little better. We're going to be here all day. Number four secret. Three and, a half shell, three and a half inch shells can cost you birds. I said three and a half inch shells can cost you birds. As in, shooting three and a half shells can mean you take fewer birds home. Now, this is counterintuitive. This is counter marketing. George, why do you say this? Well, guys several reasons. Let's start with the ones that are, are related to what we've already covered. If you put more velocity and more shot in a shell, you do not necessarily result in a better pattern. You may throw more pellets down range, but the taller that you make that shot column and or the faster that you push that shot column at the gun, you may result in worse patterns. I did some ballistics testing, taking the same load, same brand, same shot size, same velocity, and just added an eighth of an ounce and then add another eighth of an ounce and just incremental increases in shot. And what I found is unless that shot is buffered, you get worse pattern efficiency the more shot you put in it to the point where uh, one and five eighths ounces of shot had less pellets in a 30 inch circle at 40 yards than one and a quarter ounces of shot. Or excuse me, one and three eighths ounces of shot. So less shot actually provided you with a better pattern. Now, the, the higher loaded shell threw more pellets into the air, but those pellets are not on target. So you're paying more money for bigger shells and you're not getting more pellets on the target necessarily. Now, some you may, and some with some guns and some jokes you may, but it's not an assumption. Don't, don't just assume that it's true because I would reckon that it's not true probably more often than it is. However, the bigger reason three and a half inch shells cost you birds is the recoil. It's not a matter of, oh man, how tough am I? I can shoot three and a half inch shells. Doesn't hurt me. I can do it. I'm a man, blah, blah, blah. 
No, it has to do with recoil affecting your body position as well as affecting and obscuring your vision because you're throwing more out the more muzzle blast, more powder, more smoke, more fire if it's dark out, more everything out the barrel and it makes it harder to see the birds you just shot at. But the bigger thing is it adjusts your body position. And so the gun moves more after the shot. Your body moves more after the shot. So follow-up shots become more difficult and less efficient. So on your first trigger squeeze, do you have no disadvantage? And if you do have a load where you do or are getting more pellets on the paper, you may have a slight advantage. But shots two and three, significant disadvantage. To the point where every professional hunter and shooter I know who com competes competitively, who hunts competitively or professionally, everyone I know has backed away from three and a half inch shells and is now shooting either three inch or two and three quarter inch shells or 20 gauge. <clears throat> because if you're using denser materials, you can very easily use a sub gauge shotgun and get the same performance. So three and a half inch shells, not the standard, not what you should be aiming for, a liability to most people. All right. You're like, well, should I buy a three and a half inch shotgun? No, no, you shouldn't. No, you shouldn't. Like, well, what about for turkey hunting? No, you shouldn't. In fact, most people are going 20 gauge these days. That's another episode. But you know, it, it, there's no harm in having a shotgun that can also shoot three and a half inch shells. Um, you know, there, there's no downside to having that capability if you want to test that or try that. But a lot of people try upgrade shotguns or they buy more expensive shotguns so they can shoot only three and a half or also three and a half. And it's not worth the money because the three and a half more often than not is a liability. It's going to cost you birds. It's going to poorly impact your shooting uh, performance. And it can help you de uh, develop a flinch reflex, which actually can make your first shot less accurate. But that's an entire episode worth of information for another day. Number five secret. More payload equals more recoil. So everything I just talked about, you will now put it in context of payload. Every eighth of an ounce that you add at a fixed velocity of 1,350 feet per second adds 15% more recoil. All right. So if you have one and a quarter ounce payload and you then go to one and a half ounce payload at the same velocity, you're adding 30% more recoil. You go to a one and five eighths ounce, you've added 45% more recoil. And there is a recoil threshold for every person, for every hunter. And some of it depends on body size, weight, mass, bone structure, uh, how many layers you're wearing, where you can shoot a particular load comfortably, where you can shoot a particular load efficiently, to that load becomes painful, and that load becomes unwieldy and causing too much gun movement and movement of body position. And for me, I know where it is. For you, you need to know where it is for you also. And you always want to shoot below that threshold. 
So if it's up to me, I am not trying to punch that up and just cram as much shot into the shell as possible because that extra recoil is not helping. There are some three inch shells that have enough shot at a high enough velocity that it has the same recoil as three and a half inch shells. Not helping you, not doing it. You wanna find a shell that patterns well and it has low recoil so that you can shoot it efficiently and comfortably. Number six secret, chokes do not help recoil. I have done three test videos on this. I have controlled for and eliminated every possible and conceivable variable that I could come up with. I've done everything people said to you do. I've done different barrels. I've done different barrel lengths. I've done ported barrels and non-ported barrels. I have done high power loads. I have done low power loads. I've done loads that are so powerful they were painful. I've done target loads. And each and every time I've found that ported choke tubes do absolutely nothing for recoil. Nothing. It's, it's as if there are no ports in the tube. Sometimes the ported choke tubes register higher in the recoil test. All right, because the, the, the numbers are so close that's a zero improvement on recoil. All right, so if you want a ported choke tube because it looks cool, great. If you want a ported choke tube because you think it's gonna reduce recoil, no. It does absolutely nothing. I can't say it enough times. Nothing for recoil. Now, sometimes ported choke tube could pattern better Although any choke tube could pattern better than another for any variety of reasons. You could go very deep into this conversation. You could talk to choke tube companies and there's this is a whole episode in and of itself. But there is sometimes ported choke tubes can pattern better than non-ported choke tubes. However, by and large, the prevailing data that's out there says that non-ported choke tubes tend to pattern better. Um, it's certainly not across the board, but tendency is for non-ported to be better patterning. However, depending on the gun, depending on the load, depending on the tide, your barrel, whatever the case may be, you might have ported choke tubes that pattern better in your gun than a non-ported might, um, if you control for as many variables as possible. So are ported choke tubes better? No, they're not better. They're not better for recoil. Generally speaking, they're not better for patterning. They do look cooler. However, that only goes so far in the woods. And uh, the one thing that they do is they increase the volume. They increase the decibel level of the shot at the ears of the shooter. Because now you have volume escaping around the, in a circle coming sideways out of that choke tube that would have been more focused straight and so it's going to make things a little bit louder for the hunter and the hunter's friends and the hunting blind than it is uh, if it were a non-ported choke tube does that little bit matter uh i don't know a way to test that but i know one thing for absolute sure you should never ever not one time ever Go waterfowl hunting without hearing protection. 
because every single time you pull that trigger, you may be taking a chink out of your hearing. All right, it might be a little piece, might be a bigger piece, might be so small that it's imperceptible until five or 10 hunting seasons later, but you are 100% negatively impacting your hearing when you hunt without hearing protection. And waterfowl hunting involves a lot of shooting. In my experience, the average hunter takes a bird about one out of three shots. Now, there are certainly hunters that are better. There are very many that are worse. But if you just use that as an average, one out of three, that means to take a six-man limit, the average hunter is going to shoot about 18 shells. You got three hunters in the blind. You're at about 55 shells per hunt. Per hunt. That is more shooting in one day than the average deer hunter is likely to do in his entire lifetime in the woods. All right. And uh, not to mention increased volume from calling. In fact, the calling can do just as much, maybe more damage to your hearing than the shooting may. You may sit there calling on loud duck calls or loud goose calls for hours exposing your ears to dangerously high decibel levels, uh, whereas you do very little shooting that day because not a lot of birds come in. So you absolutely have to wear hearing protection. And the best hearing protection that I have found on the market comes from Tetra Hearing, the sponsor of this episode. Now, full disclosure, I bought the Tetra Custom Shields that I wear into the woods with my own money uh, I've been using Tetra long before they became a sponsor of the podcast. I've been a fan of Tetra uh, since my first season when I first learned they existed and they didn't know anything about me. Uh, I've been in absolute awe of their product and how good it is um, and, and just blown away by it. And it does three main things. Number one, it lets you hear normally. You put them in your ears. They're like electronic uh, earbuds. You can buy one size fits all or you can get them custom molded to your ears for maximum comfort. And yes, it is worth the extra money if you have it. They let you hear normally. Number two, every time you pull that trigger, it turns that Magnum shotgun load with that ported choke to into something that sounds about as loud as a BB gun. And then number three, it multi or amplifies the sound of the animals that you're hunting. So if you set it to waterfowl, it makes the sounds that ducks and geese make louder so you can hear them from further away. Unbelievable stuff. Uh, I just can't recommend it enough. I've been hunting with them for years. I've used the Alpha Shields. I've used the Custom Shields. And they are unbelievable. I've done full review videos on both on the YouTube channel. I've done reviews on the, the podcast. You could find the episodes. I've even interviewed the owner of the company. They make a great product. They're not cheap, but you can get into them with a 10% discount. If you go to the New Hunter's Guide website and you grab the 10% off discount code out of the show notes of this episode, though it's pretty much on every page of the website and in every one of the videos on YouTube as well, if you look in the description. So check them out. Tetra Hearing, they are unbelievable. I have used other digital electric hearing protection uh, that's out there. And it utterly pales in comparison. Shouldn't even be called the same thing compared to Tetra 
Really impressive stuff. Thank you, Tetra. All right, the next secret, number seven, choke to the limit. All right, choke to the limit. People assume because of the wisdom of the internet, urban legend, and so on, that for some strange reason, modified is the tightest choke tube you can use for waterfowl hunting. It is not. I have not with one ammo test I think I have ever done found modified to be the tightest patterning choke tube. Very often, improved modified, full or extra full, or even a turkey choke patterns tighter for waterfowl ammo. And that is steel, bismuth, tungsten blends. I mean, pretty much everything patterns tighter with a tighter choke tube. I've shot number four steel out of extra full choke tube and a turkey choke. I've shot BB steel out of extra full choke tubes and a turkey level choke and gotten tighter patterns from the tighter choke tubes. All right. Now, that said, you may not always want the tightest pattern you can get because if you're shooting at 30 yards, you want that pattern to be larger than the size of a softball. But you be, be aware that you can choke waterfowl ammo as tightly as you need to to get the pattern that you want at the range that you're hunting. But always test because every ammo, every gun, and every choke is a little bit different. Number eight. Oh, I already covered this one. Duck hunt or duck hunting ammo ruins your hearing. I already covered that one. Got ahead of myself. Number nine, pellet oddities matter little. Okay, pellet oddities matter little. They just don't make a big difference if you're using denser shot. So bismuth, tungsten blends, if all the pellets are not perfectly shaped doesn't make a big deal if some of the pellets are mutations and are extra large and just bizarre shapes they got little growths coming out of them doesn't really matter i have had shells that patterned very well and i have recovered these ridiculously shaped pellets out of the ballistics gel and it pretty much makes no difference now the only downside is Pellet oddities can affect how much shot is in the shell. So if you have a gigantic teardrop-shaped hunk of TS or tungsten alloy or bismuth in there that's as large as five pellets, it will still probably shoot straight. It will still kill a duck, but it takes up the space that five pellets could have taken up. So you'll end up with less pellets. Uh, so that's the only downside that you might see there. The next one. Plated shot matters some. Plated shot matters some. All right. There, I did an entire video on all the details of plated shot, but the, the bottom line is shot is plated for a handful of reasons. Steel shot is plated mostly for corrosion resistance. They're usually using zinc or nickel. Uh, bismuth shot and tungsten shot is plated to improve lubricity. The improved lubricity means that the pellets are able to move and rub against each other uh, with less friction as they're going through the barrel and through the choke tube. So the pattern does not disperse quite as much. You've got more lubricity through the air, which means you have slightly less wind resistance, at least in theory. I don't know a way to test that. 
Um, and then you have less lub better lubricity when you're going through the target. So a copper plated pellet should be able to penetrate deeper to slide smoother through the duct's tissue than a, a non-plated or a rough pellet. And a lot of your bismuth pellets are not too shiny. They don't have a shine. They're not slick. So plating the pellet can make a significant difference. Now, it's not a big difference. All right, it's not huge. It matters some. Um, uh, what, to what extent can I quantify that? In my minimal experience and things that I've done and tested, now I, I don't shoot 100 shots of one, then 100 of another, and then you know, let's add them up. And often it's not apples to apples. So I guess the may about five to 10% impact on performance and penetration with the plated shot. Uh, assuming you are testing it as best apples to apples you can in a controlled environment to a non-plated, which of course nobody makes the same shell. One's copper plated and one's not. Right, so you're comparing different brands, different components, different stuff. It's difficult to get an exact measurement on that. But it matters some. All right, now we're getting into the bonus ones. Number 11, pellets matter more than percentage. Pellets matter more than percentage. All right, what that means is that the number of pellets in the circle, the number of pellets on the duck, matter more than your pattern efficiency. Pattern efficiency is the percentage of pellets in the 30 inch circle versus the number of pellets that are in the shell. So if you have 70% pattern efficiency, that means 70% of the pellets that were inside your shell are in a 30 inch circle at 40 yards. Now, is 70% good? Well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Percentages can't kill ducks. Only pellets can kill ducks. So my bottom line standard is 100 pellets in a 30 inch circle at whatever range you plan the hunt. If that's 20 yards, great. If that's 40 yards, great. If that's 60 yards, sure. You want to have 100 pellets in that circle at that range. So if you're hunting at trying to hunt at 60 yards, which I'm not saying you should, but if you are, you're going to use a super tight choke to try to get 100 pellets in the, on the paper at that range. That would not be a great choke at 20 yards, though, because you're going to have a really tight pattern and blow that bird into pieces. So you want to open up the pattern at close range. Now, the percentage of pellets, though, doesn't really, it's an academic number. So if I've got 50% pattern efficiency at 100 yards, but I've got 200 pellets on the duck in a 30-inch circle, well, that's unbelievably effective. That's probably too tight of a pattern. But that means 200 pellets are wasted. They're out there somewhere. Does that matter? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe that's good. Maybe that's increasing your circle. Maybe that's giving you some margin. Maybe they're flyers and they're just a total waste. But the bottom line is, the number of pellets are what you need to care about. This is the reason that I don't shoot BB shot. Because most of the loads of steel BB shot are about 90 pellets in a shell. 
So I could have a 100% pattern efficiency at 40 yards and get every single pellet in that shell on that paper. I mean, 100%, best you can do. And that's still only 90 pellets on the paper, which is not enough pellets for me to reliably and consistently bring down birds. So it's part of the reason why your average success rate is about a third or less because there's just some of the patterns people are shooting out there are just too wide open. Birds are flying through and through them. You're not getting enough pellets in the vital areas. It's just not effective. So I want to see a hundred pellets or more at the range I plan to hunt. And then with BB shot, you know, whether you're hunting at 10 yards or 70 yards, you can still never get more than 90 pellets. So for me, it's not enough. All right. Next and last bonus fact, better shot buys more range. That's what's going on here when you spend more money. When you buy bismuth or tungsten blends or TSS, you're trading money for range. At 25 yards, everything works. Even the cheapest steel on the market, assuming you have enough pellets to hit the bird, everything has enough power to kill a duck at 25 yards. It has enough retained velocity at that range. As you reach out further, more expensive shot gives you more range. Bismuth lets you punch out further than steel. Tungsten lets you punch out further than bismuth. Now, there's a lot of purists out there. They advocate for, you know, no duck should be shot beyond 40 yards. If it is, you are a utterly just reprobate human being. You're an immoral hunter. It's unethical. You're a terrible person, blah, blah, blah. The sheer irony here is that most of the people that say this kind of stuff, they can't judge distance to save their lives. They can't tell the difference between 30 yards and 50 yards. They are very often taking shots. They have no idea how far the bird is. They are completely clueless. And, uh, and the bottom line also is, depending on where you're hunting, range changes greatly. Or if you're hunting in the marsh and you know the Midwest and you're able to get most of your shots between 25 and 30 yards and the ducks come in good and great, awesome. That can be your rule. Stop trying to apply your rule from your local hole to people that hunt elsewhere. Because in the Northeast, oftentimes if you're hunting on big water, you can't get ducks to come in closer than 60 yards. I mean, it's a treat to get them to come in any closer. Which is why people are shooting... Uh, you know, 10 gauges loaded with bismuth or they're shooting TSS ammo so they can punch out further because the ducks just aren't coming in. And so different places, different hunting styles require different tools. If you're jump shooting, getting within 40 yards is a treat. Most shots are happening further than that. Whether the bird's in the air or on the water, you need a tighter pattern with denser material at longer range in order to hunt effectively in those scenarios. And you get more range when you spend more money. Now the people that say they only use steel and nothing but steel and they don't care and they have a 100% kill rate and yeah, I've heard it all. 
Well, chances are, if there's any sliver of truth to what they're saying, they're hunting at 25 yards or something like that. And they don't see why you'd pay more because you can't kill them any deader than they're killing them with their steel. Well, that's true at 25 yards. At 45 yards, it is not true. At 55 yards, it is not true. It is just absolute, utter nonsense to say a steel shot is effective at taking birds at those kind of ranges. It is not, people. I, I don't care what you say. The physics aren't there. I can run the ballistics. I've done the charts. I could show you the foot-pounds of energy each pellet has at those ranges and steel shot, and it's hardly enough to irritate the duck if you could actually hit it, if the pattern was 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 tight enough if it hadn't already fallen into the water at those ranges uh you know it's just not going to happen bismuth enables you to punch out effectively to about 60 yards that's about the max that i have found thus far when you have both enough pattern and enough penetration to do the job um tss lets you punch out further than that all right it 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 just it gives you that additional viability with uh, denser pellets and more of them to be able to go further. Now, that doesn't mean you just take any bismuth load and throw it in any shotgun and you can hunt the 60 yards. Absolutely not the case. But there are some bismuth loads that have tight enough pattern efficiency that are effective enough compared with some shotguns and some choke tubes that can give you those kind of patterns. This season, I've been doing uh, my long-range hunting with Boss Copper-Plated Bismuth, three fives, three-inch, one-and-a-half ounces of shot, going through a Muller UFO choke tube. And I have been able to get pattern density around 100% at 40 yards, and at 60 yards, still able to get 110 or so pellets in the 30-inch circle. So that's what I've been using for my long-range hunting. Now, that doesn't mean that that same combo would do the same performance in your gun, but I've tried a lot of chokes. i tried several different loads. Actually, I've tried a lot of bismuth loads, and that is the best combo that I've found for my gun for my long-range jump shooting. And it works really well. Why the 3.5, George? Simple. It patterns better than anything else that I've shot. And at any other range, it doesn't matter. But trying to punch out to maximum range for jump shooting birds, that's where it makes a difference. And so that's what I've been using. Now, just, just for that scenario, I use different setups for other scenarios. But I'm just giving you the example of how different materials and different setups what you're gaining is range. At short range, save your money, buy cheap stuff. There's no reason to hunt with TSS at 25 yards. It's not going to give you any advantage. But it all depends on how do you hunt. If you're a close range hunter, if you're hunting birds over decoys at good ranges consistently in places like that, then great. You can save a lot of money. You really can. You can use a modified choke tube. You can use cheap steel ammo or moderately priced steel ammo. You can save a bunch of money. So, guys, I really hope this episode has been helpful for you. I would encourage you, head to iTunes. Leave a five-star review with comment to help grow the show. 
Please subscribe if you're not a subscriber. Check out Tetra Hearing. Until next time, guys, I really appreciate you. God bless you, and go get them in the woods.